racing. Green light, they're set to go. Green light's on. Set for a start. Kablenz holding on. Cut glory for Kablenz. But it is all heart style Rico, and he is going to absolutely bolt the Melbourne Cup in. Green light is on for the Green Light On podcast. Yes, the green light's on for the Green Light On podcast deep dive edition, the one that I've been promising for some time with Team Dalbridge and the leader of the pack when it comes to Team Dalbridge and a lady that we absolutely adore on this podcast, Lisa Dalbridge. And Lisa, you've been good enough to jump on, not just for a quick chat, but a little bit of a deep dive to get to know you and the, the kennel and the setup. And thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, James. Hey, the uh, the journey. I want to I want to start with this deep dive right at the very start for you, Lise. Where did the first involvement, the first time you noticed a greyhound racing, where and when did that happen? Oh, a very long time ago. It was when I was probably fifteen or sixteen, um, so thirty odd years ago. Um, my dad was in a syndicate with some greyhounds with the local. Um, blokes he used to drink with at the pub. Uh, Donald Stevens, we've had all the stroller dogs. He uh, was the trainer. So um, we'd go to Olympic Park and then when I got my learners, I was the one driving them around to the tracks and stuff and um, I'd go with him down to dailies back then to, to help trial the pups and um, then it just sort of stemmed from there. We are going to chat a little bit later on about uh, Yachi Bale and the Melbourne Cup success and all of the success that you've had uh, in most recent times. But you just mentioned your dad. You obviously lost him a couple of years ago and he, he would be so proud of what you've been able to do in the last few years. And I've got no doubt he was there on Melbourne Cup night with you. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I'm, I mean, I miss him every day, but I know he's up there and uh, he would have loved to have been in Melbourne Cup night because he just... He always wanted to be where we were when we were winning races, and um, for him not to. But I know he's he's in with my in my heart, so I know he's with me every day. From the first involvement in greyhound racing to meeting the man of your dreams, Mark Delbridge, can you you soon to be husband, I should say, when you met him? Um, actually, uh, Mick O'Malley, who's passed away now, but he was the one that sort of instigated all the. Uh, organised for us to go out on a date. We both met at his place and then off we went. And um, that was July, I don't know, 20-odd years ago. Um, And I think in the December I moved down to where we are now and then got married in 2004, February 2004, and um, the rest is history, really. At that moment when you first met, Mark, had you trained dogs at all or was it literally just helping other trainers out at that point in time? No, I had a couple of um, dogs myself because unfortunately um, Uncle Donald, I used to call Donnie Stevens, wasn't my uncle, but um, I treated him like my uncle. Um, He'd passed away, so I got a couple of dogs that were his and I just had them in the backyard. Um, You know, I just went wherever I went and then moved down home um, where I'm now. Um, it just continued and I had a couple of litters with a couple of the pups, but um, then Mark sort of took over and just um, sort of grew from there, really. Your first winner, can you remember the first time you trained a winner? It was Busy Affair. Um, she was the one of Uncle Donald breeding. Um, I, don't, I can't remember where it was. But she was a 700 metre 
six or seven hundred meter bitch. And um, I never forget one day at Geelong, she was at Geelong. She was odds on favourite over the seven hundred on the old track, and she turned in the boxes. And Ronnie <laughs> Hawkeswell nearly had a fit because he didn't know, he didn't know what to say. But um, that's the first time she'd ever done it. And um, yeah, but she was—I mean, she was no superstar, but you know, she was she was my pet. And yes, so yeah. It's a beautiful start. Uh, you then obviously marry, you said, in 2004, straight into full-time greyhound training. Is that how it went? Uh, no, I still worked full-time. I was uh, liquor manager for Woolworths. Um, so we live in Bellying now, but I was working at um, Greensboro, which was, I think it's about 97 k's from home. So I used to drive up to Greensboro every day and back home again. Um, until probably, I don't know, a few years in, I got a transfer to Sunbury, which was still another, you know, 50 minutes from home, but it was only part-time. And then, then Mark said, just give it away and just we'll do dogs. At the time, we didn't have many, but um, it was just more of a hindrance because he couldn't go racing where he wanted to and whatever. So that's what I did. From there, you then obviously go full-time training. Was it was it a tough decision to do that or was it something that you, you both sat down, agreed on and, and just thought, let's let's have a real genuine crack at this? And, and roughly what year was this? Oh, it would have to be, um, I reckon, before we were married, actually, when I finished um, working full-time, um, which I don't know how long ago we've been married uh, 18 years or so, whatever, yeah, 18 years, uh, nearly 19. Um, so it'd be, you know, probably 18 years ago, I suppose, 17 years ago um, that we stopped. But um, it wasn't, a, it was an easy decision because then I didn't have to travel backwards and forwards to work. And um, it was, I mean, I love the dogs and to work with them every day is um is a privilege and um so that's what what we did so wind the clock forward lease and i'm not sure if you remember this but you came on the podcast episode number 56 of the green light on premier racing podcast and at uh, that point in time i said just out of curiosity i said have you got a dog for us to follow on the green light on premier racing podcast and well, oh, this, i remember <laughs> you do this was your response to to a part of that question Another one that hasn't won a maiden yet, which I really like, and I'm hoping he will go on for better things, is uh, Yachi Baola. He's very characteristic, and um, he's just been stiff. He was a good, huge run at Warnable last Thursday, nearly well, run I down a dog. I think you get the gist of this, Lise. Uh, you were kind enough to give us <laughs> Yachi Bale. You wind the clock forward, and... Now we sit here and we talk, and one of the main reasons we are chatting is because of what happened just recently at Sandown Park. Now, on the 10th of August, you give us that. Uh, late November, here's Yachi Bale claiming your first Melbourne Cup as a trainer. The Sportsbet Melbourne Cup final of 2022. They're ready, set, 
Racing, even line, speed in the centre from Fernando Mick, course is wide, Plaintiff's got a paddock to drive through underneath it, they get clear on Paddy Watts, Pats and Titan Blazer, behind them was Yachi Bale, on the inside was El Dorado, clear then of Zippy Tesla, Vice Grip second last, Paddy Watts, Pats last, Plaintiff took the lead off the back from Fernando Mick, behind them was Titan Blazer, running on was Yachi Bale, Plaintiff in front, Fernando Mick's coming again, flying Yachi Bale, Yachi Bale, Yachi Bale! over the top has won the Melbourne Cup beats Fernando Mick and Plaintiff in a well there you go is that a tear <laughs> to your eye Lise listening back to that amazing yeah. night when you won a Melbourne Cup uh, yeah uh, every every time I listen or watch the race I, I get um, emotional but um, you know it's a, it was a fantastic night I want to chat a little bit about the, the start of that particular day when you wake up in the morning uh, obviously there'd be a little bit of added excitement. It's your first Melbourne Cup, Team Dalbridge heading to Sandown Park for the biggest race there is. Can you can you remember, I guess, waking up with the alarm and, and just the feeling amongst the, the house and the property? Yeah, it was, it was just like any other normal day, really. I think because uh, there was no pressure, like there was one story, I think, written up about him on social media, but I think because there was no pressure going into the race, we didn't feel it. It was just like a normal day. And even watching the race, I wasn't nervous. Normally, you know, if you've got a favourite or a second favourite in the race, you think, oh, well, you know, let's hope so. But, um, I mean, I think it was like a $10 chance or $9 chance. They, they sort of didn't give him any sort of accolades, but he showed him what he could do and, and he did it. He did it all right. Uh, let's talk through the race itself. <laughs> Plaintiff expected to lead, does lead. Fernando Mick to second. I thought going to the first corner, the key for you to win was to hold out Zippy Tesla. And Yachi Bale was able to do that. He was able to get ahead of Zippy Tesla early. Is that the, the moment that maybe you started to dream through that first corner? Yeah, most definitely. Um, in saying that Mark was very confident going into the race that you know, if he if he got around that first corner and he was in a good position, that he'd run him down because it just got such a big motor on him. And um, when he jumped and he didn't jump out very well, I thought, oh, oh no. But then he's just got a good sense of track. Like he just goes to the rail. He he went through on that turn and and lobbed down the back where he did. And I thought, well, what a chance to run in a place here. And then coming down the home straight, I thought, oh, my God, he's got the momentum. He's going to win. And it was just um, just an emotional roller coaster, really, at the end of the end of the race. Um, was- something you probably never – you can't put words into how it feels and um, never sort of experience again because it's – the raw emotion is just overwhelming. You answered my next question, which was, can you try and explain the, the feeling of that moment that Yachi crosses the line in a Melbourne Cup? But there's no words, is there? No, there's no words. And and people have said, well, you know, surely it, it feels like something. I go, you, you're numb. Like, it's a numb feeling. So it's it's hard to explain, very hard to explain. Did it sink in quickly? Like, for you, did you know immediately? Like, I know you know you've won the Melbourne Cup, but did you know you've won the Melbourne Cup, if you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, you know that you've won it, but um, it's because everything happens so quickly. By the time you get down onto the dais and then they do the presentation and they're rushing you away 
to do interviews and but you still got dogs racing for the rest of the night and I may have forgotten to handle one, but anyway. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's just a whirlwind, like everything just – and then you get home, like we got into bed. Mark and I got into bed and I think we got three hours sleep because no one could sleep. We were just like I wide as I open, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed and even though, you know, we'd been up for nearly 24 hours, but, yeah, it's – it's weird. Hey, we, we know Mark as the, the shy guy who doesn't say a lot. He's quite conservative, keeps quiet. What, what, what was he like when you got home after the Melbourne Cup? Did he did he let any emotions go? And, and what's he like at home after a race like that and a win like that? Um, he never shows any emotion. Um, I think you nearly got him to cry <laughs> when you were talking behind the boxes, but then you went off some dumb other tangent. I thought, oh, he nearly got him, but you did, he didn't. But um, <laughs> he was... He was shell-shocked. Probably that's why he didn't say many words. Um, and behind on the dais when we're there, I said to him, can you believe we've just won the Melbourne Cup? He goes, nah. That's all I got, nah. <laughs> but, it, but then the next day you're back to work. So it's like the show still goes on. You, you, but he was he had a smile from ear to ear for a long, t- a long time, and it's still now. If someone mentions about the couple, congratulates us, the the smile comes, you know. So, yeah, but um, he's pretty reserved. It's something that you can never get taken away from you. The fact that you're now as a team Melbourne Cup winning trainers, it's it's something so very special. Uh, can you tell us though the story of? Yachi Bell even competing in the Melbourne Cup series because he wasn't a sure thing to go there. The Sale Cup obviously was his goal, and we'll chat about that in a moment. But a trip up to the Wheelers in New South Wales, and and there comes yeah. the idea, let's have a go at the Melbourne Cup. The Melbourne Cup wasn't on the radar for any, any of the dogs we had in, actually. Um, it was just Mark was talking to Brendan one day when we were there, and Brendan goes, why don't you just chuck him in? Mark goes, oh, there's so many you know good dogs, and he goes, oh, well, if they don't, do, you know, don't do anything, they don't do anything. He goes, oh, and then we sort of, I always wanted to put them in, but on the way home we sort of discussed them. I goes, oh, no, I won't. And I said, well, what do we got to lose? We've got nothing to lose. Just throw them in. So that's what we did and it worked out. Fair to say it worked out. That that partnership that you've had with the Wheelers, <laughs> obviously with uh, Paul sadly passing away not too long ago at it must have been very, very special to, to share that with the Wheelers and, and claim your first Melbourne Cup, and, and they've had just such a wonderful run over the years in that particular race. Yeah, it was. Um, the emotions were very high on that night, Melbourne Cup night. Um, Jan had come down with her grandchildren, and um, she was emotional as well because it was, it was the first big race that they'd sort of won since Paul had gone and um, just to cement the fact that they are doing everything right because, you know, the master of Paul wasn't there anymore. Um, she still reckons he was riding the Archie home down the home straight. Um, but uh, it's just nice to know that what they're doing, they're doing right and, and continuing on, which is fantastic. And, you know, like without them, Jan and Brendan and even Paul in the start, um, we probably wouldn't be in the game now if we didn't have them because back in the time when we first started, we weren't going very well. And Mark said, I might have to even thought about buying a milk bar or something or doing something else or 
whatever. But then we got the phone call from Paul and it's just gone from, on from there and bigger and better things. Thank goodness Mark's not the owner of a milk bar because I don't think he'd have the best <laughs> customer service skills. <laughs> hey, how do, how do you do it, Lisa? You've got a, a big training set up, a massive operation, a lot of greyhounds. Are there times where you struggle through the workload? Um, yeah, sometimes it's a struggle. Depends on how many times we're racing during the week. Um, I mean, we have good workers. We've got Dean Elliott and Sean Colson and Deb White lives with us too. She just helps out around the farm and, um, and then there's Miles and Mark and myself. So, um, it does get hectic. Um, this time of year is hectic. Um, like with trialing, especially if we get a new, you know, young pups through, then uh, we trial three days a week. Um, if new ones come through, um, they might go to Meadows and on a Monday and a Thursday, and then and then you've got to put in the into the mix racing, as well as working all the dogs at home, morning and afternoon feeding up. So it gets it gets pretty hectic. You mentioned working dogs morning and afternoon. What What is the rough workload of a, of a greyhound? Let's say a Yachi Bale in the lead-up to a Melbourne Cup. Is he galloping on a daily basis? What are, I guess, what are the, the training techniques that you guys like to go with? So with all our dogs, regardless what distance they race over, we work them morning and night in sprint runs. So competition runs with a dog and a bitch either side. Uh, they will work up until a day and a half before they're racing. So say dogs that are racing... Um, so on Saturday, Thursday afternoon, they go into a little empty out yard just to just to wind down. Um, but then back in the work runs the next very next morning after they've raced. And and the length of the sprint yards are they long or and how often would they? They obviously do it twice a day. So are they are they left in there until they tire or is it something that you have a set you know amount of laps that they like to do? Um, every dog's different. Their runs are a hundred meter work runs um every dog's different there's some dogs that will just go out by themselves and run up and down um but generally they're probably out for anywhere between five and ten minutes we got um running up but you sort of gauge how they're running if they're working too hard well then you sort of swap pairs and sort of work it out but once you get the, the formula right um then it's not that bad but i mean we've got 110 dogs at the moment, um, we have three so three sets of work runs. So Dean, Sean, and Mark do uh, work all the dogs. Um, they could take anywhere from oh, an hour and a half, I suppose, to two hours, depending, or an hour, yeah, two hours at the maximum, I suppose. Just depends on how many are racing, racing that go out in empty yards because naturally that cuts the the time down. You'd have to say, Lise, from the outside looking in, it would seem to me like the the fact that you're, you're working them twice daily, they're obviously fit at the peak of their powers and there's no doubt that in a in a finish at Sandown Park over 500, you want to be on a Delbridge runner because they, they hit the line like a train, don't they? Yeah, they do. I, I don't know why, but um, Mark's always, he learnt from one of the best, Graham Bait and that's how Graham used to do it, so that's how we do it. And um, I don't know, there just seems to be – we seem to have a lot of dogs that can run like 600 metres. I don't I don't know whether that's the way we work them or whether it's just bred into them. Yeah, it's, it's 
it's it's hard it's hard work, but you get by. You you motor on, you, hey. mo- you know, mosey on. So yeah, you've got to you've got to love the dogs though, don't you? To to do a a job like you, Mark, and Miles, and the whole team are doing, you have to love the animal because you spend so much time with them, so much work. It's not like a a job at Woolworths, as you said earlier, where you can go to work, you knock off, you drive home and you forget about it. With the dogs, it's it's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, I wouldn't do anything else that I, that I do now. I never thought, I never thought that this would be my full-time profession um, after working with Woolies for 12 years or something um, to be doing this, but... I wouldn't go back to working for anybody else now. <laughs> especially, especially not after winning a Melbourne Cup. And is the drive still there? That's that's one question. I might sound a little bit repetitive to people uh, who listen when I interview somebody who's won a Melbourne Cup. But is the drive still there to win another Melbourne Cup? Does it get, I guess, even more intense? Almost that, that definitely. One? <laughs> I, I hope we go back to back next year. No. <laughs> um, yeah, always. You know, I mean, you've you've always got to strive for greatness and that keeps you motivated to keep, to keep going. So, I mean, if you didn't have where you wanted to go or what you wanted to do, what's the point of, what's the point of doing it? So, um, yeah, most definitely still, you know, any, any race really, whatever big race, small race, you always strive to to do the best. The Phoenix, you would have watched the the Phoenix race on Saturday. That's obviously a race that I, I'd imagine moving forward you'd love to be a part of. The atmosphere and the buzz was, as a race caller, I felt it up in the broadcast lease. It was it was out of this world. Is is that the dream as well moving forward to get a runner in the Phoenix? Oh yeah, of course. Like it's a the race on Saturday night was an absolute pearler, really, um, and just the atmosphere. It's amazing how many people you can get to a meeting um, for all different corporations and they enjoyed the whole night. Like there wasn't – they were cheering and yelling and whatever else. But to be a part of something like that would be be amazing. Let's start with the Sale Cup. Uh, This Monday night, Boxing Day evening – Defending his crown, Jarek Bale. He's about seven dollars, I've noticed from box seven. And then Yachi Bale, who uh, Mark has been saying to me for so long, uh, Melbourne Heat night. He said, "Oh no, the Sale Cup's the goal. He wins the Melbourne Cup. The Sale Cup's still the goal." And he's now the the third elect to win another Group One at about five dollars at the moment. Uh, must be nice going into this year's Sale Cup after Jarek won it last year, looking to defend the crown for not just the kennel but also for Jarek Bale with a, a two pronged attack in the big one. Yeah, it is. I mean, it'd be nice for Jarek to go back to back. Um, he's getting on in age, the old war horse. But, um, and for Yachi to, to make it through, because Mark always said that he'd run, you know, a good six, 600, 650. And the, the, week in the, the week before the heats, he, um, he just sort of um, dropped off a bit in the straight. But... Um, but he proved he showed last week in the heats that uh, he could run the six. He come from near last really to, to win the race. But um, I don't know where the um, marks um, lies because he's handling Jarek Bale this week. I've got the job of Yachty, which um, he goes. No, no, I'll have the uh, I'll take the old dog. 
Well, I'm surprised. Pressure's on me. <laughs> I'm surprised he's letting uh, Yachi bail out of his sight, to be honest, after they uh, they paired up to win the Melbourne Cup. But I suppose that, that does just show, even though Yachi's the informed dog coming into this, it, it probably does just show the bond that he has with a dog like Jarek Bale, who, yeah. who's just been so good for the kennel for so long. Yeah, that's right. I, I would, I'd, I'd go to say that he's probably handled him if he's had, I don't know how many starts he's had, but if he's had, I think he might have had 90 starts or something. But if he's had 90 starts, Mark's handled him for probably 85 of it. Um, he doesn't really let him, let the others sort of handle him, nor me. Um, so for him to hand, I think he does, he does like, he does like handling him. <laughs> he loves him, I think, by the sounds of it. There's a bit of a bond there. And look, yeah. Lise, yeah. if you ever need somebody to uh, to just look after a dog like Yachi Bale for a couple of months, you just let me know, all right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not the only person that's uh, that said that. I had to move some dogs out, and they said, "Oh, well, we'll take Jarek and Yachi Bell off your hands oh, if you like." I'm sure they but would. No. Hey, as yeah. as we we wind up this deep dive podcast, I just want to ask you a few quick questions. Who who would be the the greatest greyhound that you've ever seen in your time in the, the sport of greyhound racing? Um, I would have. Well, currently, would be well, she's fast because she's just a. She's just a beast of an animal. Mm. Um, but in the past, probably Brett Lee, I'd say. You are Fernando Bell fan back in the day? or? Oh, yeah, Fernando Bell as well, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. How do you pick How do you pick one? It's hard to pick one. What about from your kennel? You've had the Christo Bales, the Jarricks, the Flash of Lights back in the day, and obviously now Yachi, Zohar, Valor Bale. Has there, has there been one that stood out as the, the best dog you've trained? Um, I'm going to, even though he didn't win, um, the races that he should have or didn't, I'd still say Christobel just because I don't know. I just, I have a, I just like the, I just love, I just love the dog. I just, I just love him. Even though Yachi's only young, yes, he's won a Melbourne cup, but. He's only had 20-odd starts. So, I mean, ask me in 12 months' time, it might change. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, Christo Bale is still my favourite. I'll ask you on Monday Not night. Not that I should have any favourites. No, but. no, I'll ask you on Monday night. Hey, yeah. just as I let you go, Lise, <laughs> you were a massive, massive support of the, the Ready to Race auction series and, and your son, Miles, he, he yeah. acquired a couple of dogs up there Obviously, we haven't seen that since COVID and, and there's been a few years without a, a ready-to-race auction series. But what what would you say about that right now? Do you think there's a, a place moving forward for a series like the ready-to-race to, to come back? Well, I hope so. Miles hopes so too because he hasn't been buying any dogs. So <laughs> um, it was a good concept. Uh, you know, like it was good the fact that you could watch the dogs race or trial um, then you made up your own mind. You're not going on somebody's, you know, saying, oh, troll this or troll that. So um, I, I, was ho- I hope it comes back because, you know, I've got a lot of people, younger people into the into the game. So in buying pups and, and whatever, or young, you know, unraced race dogs sort of. So I think we need that sort of to come back to introduce more people to the sport. Got to ask as well, who's the boss down there at Team Dalbridge Kennels? I'm Mark, of course. I'm surprised. I, most people would say themselves, but... <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
happy being second. I know. He makes all the decisions. <laughs> I just, I may just plant the seed. Yeah. And then he decides what he's going to do. Hey, it's a team that's working together that is just achieving so many great things. And, and as I said throughout the year, it looked to me like you had the best setup of, of Greyhounds, the uh, uh, best depth of Greyhounds that you've ever had. And uh, it's, it's proven that way with a, a win in the Melbourne Cup. So congratulations on that. And as I let you go, Lise, I promise this is the last question. I need you to find words to describe the Melbourne Cup feeling of success, the greatest Greyhound race there is. Exhilarating. <laughs> That'll <laughs> do it. I, can, I don't know. <laughs> Good on you, Lise. Thanks so much. Hey, you're a, you're a, you're an amazing uh, person, and we we love you on this podcast. But um, actually, I promise this will be the the absolute last question. Have you got us a greyhound to follow? A nice young one coming through because last time that worked out pretty well for you and for us. Um. Yes, I have got a, a young one. His name's Spring Bart. Um, he had his uh, he had one start at Canamble. Uh, I know he had his first start at Shepparton last uh, Monday, and he won first up. So yeah, he's he's going to be a nice looking dog by the looks of it. About five thousand people have just put him into the black book. Uh, good luck with everything moving forward, and it's been great to uh, to take a deep dive with you and, and Team Dalbridge in regards to Yachty Bale, the Melbourne Cup champ this year. All the best. Thanks, James.